0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand
1: On The Air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On The Air. Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Join us now as we explore our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Welcome to Wireless Books.
2: Welcome to everyone and welcome Christine again to another edition of Wireless Books. We are broadcasting from the lovely studios, that is Otago Access Radio, and we are here on behalf of and for the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, Dunedin's oldest institution, and we are a lending library. Whew. Ah, yes, you've got everything in there, breath. thank you I must say, I just have to say In my opinion, libraries Mm. are essential services Those poor people in Auckland have been without libraries for so long They are an essential service Although I guess you can get books online
0: Mm. Well, I do know that when we went to Level 2 The first day that I was opened, I just people were rushing in they were just like oh my goodness thank goodness you're open because because when lockdown it was such a shock surprise Mm -hmm. this this time and and yeah, there was only one person who'd come in that afternoon and got books out and we joked with each other, ha ha ha, we're going to lockdown, you're all set up for lockdown. But we didn't actually believe we were going to go into <laughs> lockdown, so
2: so yes. Yeah. yeah, so um I think with the new traffic light system in Auckland that libraries can reopen
0: well they 're not on the traffic lights yet it 's oh it's next a, week next week yeah. no, but it 's not still not traffic lights we don 't oh. go into the traffic light system until we have adequate vaccination rates at the moment they 've just broken each level into three steps or or level... It's very, very complicated and as we're on level two uh, it's not worth our while working out what people on level three are because we (laughs) might have to find out soon enough but at the moment we don't need to know.
2: Thankfully. Mm.
0: Now, anyway... We are on level two, and you can go to the library, and you can browse the shelves and touch the books and take them home and read them, and it's all lovely. It is. And we have new books. Now, I actually had a lady come in yesterday, and she was from Invercargill, but her daughter lives in Dunedin. And she said, oh, I must tell my daughter about this. She, she knew about it, but somebody told her that it was a Christian library. And I said, well... Um, we aren't, particularly a Christian <laughs> library, but I think the mis- the reason that that idea got out is that around the corner. Um, there used to be um, a Christian bookshop, and I think people quite often get things a little bit mixed up and muddled up. And, mm. of course, the people who tell you things that are wrong are usually very certain that they're correct. Yeah. I'm not casting any <laughs> assertions at any group of people at the present moment, but I find the wronger a person is, the more they insistent they are that they are definitely right. <laughs> so anyway, we are mm. not particularly a Christian um, we do have a few books about Christianity, we have a few books about um, Islam, we have a few books about Buddhism, but mostly we have a lot of books about murders. <laughs> But um, now I have a book here which will go into the detective section, but it doesn't have any murders in it at all because, of course, it's... Oh, um, the, lovely,
2: lovely, lovely. The
0: number one latest detective agency series. It's um, the latest, How to Raise an Elephant.
2: Oh, may I just stop you mm. there for a moment? I love that book series, but I loved the television series. But, yes. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did it only run for one season? Yes, I don't think it got picked up or or went for for longer, which is a pity because it was was quite charming. It was a lovely series.
0: I mean, it was very true to the books because the books are very charming and... um, there's this such gentle books oh, yeah. and, and lovely books and and this, the, yes the television series was much the same it was quite delightful
2: and really had the spirit of the book so it's well, a pity. I enjoy I did enjoy it as yeah. well and the woman who played the secretary was just so amazing I can't remember her name, but are um, oh, you yeah, the secretary? Oh, and every time I read one of these uh, books after I'd watched, you know, even mm. the first episode of that, uh, all my um, mm. who I imagined and what I imagined the secretary would be like had transformed straight into yes. uh, the woman who was portrayed on on screen. Oh, she was just so wonderful. Yes, the first
0: couple of books in, in that series were much more detective They did have um crimes to to track down and stuff, but as 's gone on, although they 're still running a detective agency and they might possibly have people come and consult them there's, there's hardly any crime or or, yeah. or if there 's a crime, it turns out not to have been a crime yeah. <laughs> it's It just gets it was a sweet series to start with and it it's just got more and more gentle and really um, this series um, Charlie, one of the mechanics who's now working part time as, det- as, a, as a junior detective is, has asked to borrow Precious's um, famous white van and when he returns it, there's something a bit wrong with the suspension and there's sort of a, f- a funny smell about it and I think um, you only have to he- read uh, How to Raise an Elephant to work out what he's up to which is <laughs> quite a delightful thing for a young man to be doing and the other, oh, wow. and the other mystery is that Precious has been asked to contribute money to a distant cousin, and she she's checking it out first, and um, things do not seem to be what um, they're being portrayed at, because of course, just in a. In any poor, poor society, you you get by by um, family obligations, really, and mm-hmm. you help you help out as much as you can, and and the problem of how when does that turn into nepotism and you know going from being helpful to just. Being corrupt mm. and all that sort of thing. So anyway, it's it's more of the same. And if you enjoy a, a gentle wander through Africa and stopping to to look at the acacia trees and uh, <laughs> drink the red bush tea, well, I'm afraid this has got your name all over it.
2: <laughs> Not to mention uh, the beautiful fruit cakes Ooh, and yes. the pumpkin. But every dish is with pumpkins because it grows so easily. Well, and yes, and they're always waiting for the rains to come. Uh-huh. Now, I have something that Beth
0: might be quite pleased to see. It's the second book from Richard Osman um, from the new. It's the new Thursday Murder Club mystery, <gasps> and he actually wanted to call it um, the follow. It's the following Thursday, but his publishers wouldn't let him. in. Well, so, I think that the publishers are absolutely bonkers. Well, it's called the Man Who Died Twice, and it's. It's really, it's a humdinger.
2: I'm, good, 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 good. <laughs> okay. I'm so happy. That didn't take long for this to come No, out. and in fact, at, at the back of it, they're telling you to pre-order for the
0: third one. Because, of course, oh. if you, it was a, has been a big hit. And... He has obviously been under a lot of pressure to write this quickly. Indeed. And there is no dropping off equality. It really is an excellent book. And oh, I, I shall tell you a little joke. Um, Joyce goes on Instagram, and she has to try and get a handle. And she starts off by using her name, um, Joyce, and then – and, of course, that's taken. And so she adds a few num- – and so it's – and then she thinks, oh, what's the nickname? And she remembers – someone, she, a doctor she used to work with used to call her um, Joy, like Joy to the world, his Joy, okay. so she thought oh, okay, Joy, and then she thought, oh, and, and then she put in her her birth date and that was already gone or something, and then she thought oh, I'll put in my daughter's birth date, and her daughter was born in 1969 so she becomes Joy69 and amazingly that handle isn't taken, and Instagram was so friendly, the minute she signs on she gets she gets people to, but the problem is, she She can't work out how to get to their messages. So she's got hundreds and hundreds of messages that she can't get to until the end of the book. So there's that little time bomb (laughs) ticking away. And that's just the least of all the the mysteries. So, you know, it's funny, but the mystery is pretty good. Oh, wonderful. And now we've got – this book was donated to us. It's a a book by – He's an Englishman who lived in New Zealand and then now lives in Australia, and he's written a book about Australian politics, and it's called 2028 because he set it in, in the future. So this is a future where we have um, not self-driving cars, but cars that won't let you make mistakes and there's all sorts of high-tech things, and people pay parking meters because... You pay your parking meter, find your parking meter, and you go into a drawer to to what, it's like joining a lottery. So people can't wait to pay the pay up their parking meter fees, and okay. and they're talking about doing the same thing with the tax system. So the, if you pay your taxes, you immediately go in the drawer to win. You'll go into the drawer, and so people will feel happy about paying taxes. All this sort of um, strange, strange thinking, and the posts. Oh, and the the Communist Party. Has decided that they will become a capital. They've, they've formed a capitalist company called um, I can't remember the name of it, ChinaCom or something like that. And they, instead of being a, instead of spying on people, they're busy um, making money as fast as they can. Although they're still spying on people, <laughs> it's full of all sorts of things like that. It's it's quite. I found it quite hilarious, and I. You know, we laugh aloud and things are going pretty much as they always do in Australia the Australian Prime Minister has decided to call a snap election not because there's any great issues or anything just because he's doing well in the polls and the, the Green Party has gone bankrupt so he thinks it's a good time to call a snap election but when he does so suddenly this third party emerges and they um, I don't know what they call themselves but every candidate has the same name Ned Ludd <laughs> and and it just goes on from there. It's it is quite funny. I I can see Beth rolling her eyes. It's just probably not her sense of humour. But I I really enjoyed it. I loved it actually. And now we have another scandi, the darkness knows, and uh, this man has got such
2: oh, Arnold door and yes and
0: it's set in um, Iceland so that's very very Scandi and this frozen body is discovered emerging from the icy depths of Iceland's um, you know that volcano that erupted a few years ago, no one could pronounce it oh, well, yes, this yes, is the gla- yes. glacier okay. on this, yes and I'm not, I'm not even going to bother and I'm not even going to ask you because I just, if newsreaders can't manage it, us <laughs> mere mortals will not and so this body emerges and it's apparently that of a businessman who disappeared 30 years before. At the time an extensive search and police investigation yielded no results. One of the missing man's business associates was briefly held in custody but there wasn't enough evidence to charge him, so he got released. So now 30 years later the bodies turned up and they've re-arrested this person they've arrested originally. And the The um, Conrad, who is the retired detective who led the original investigation, is called back to reopen the case because the suspect won't talk to anybody but him. Now, to start with, the first thing that Conrad knows about it is he's called late at night by the um, the forensic pathologist who says oh we've found the body, you want, you'll want? want to come and have a look at this. So he goes and he, he dives and has a look at the, this dead body that's been frozen for 30 years and he says well thank you, thank you for that but um, you, know, I'm, you know I'm retired and then his other police colleagues over the next week or so keep contacting him and he keeps saying no I'm retired, it's not my case anymore, it's up to you guys but then they phone him back and say look the sus- we've arrested so and so He'll, he'll only talk to you. And so this I'm retired line doesn't work anymore. And, of course, he's he's dying to get back into it. So so with a, a great show of reluctance, but secretly rubbing his hands with glee, he, he gets in boots and all. Thank you. Yes. And the last book I've got is... Um, Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doer. Now, Anthony Doer um, really had a big hit with All the Light We Cannot See, which was, was really all the book groups were reading it, and um, it was, like I say, it was a big hit.
2: I loved that. Oh my yes. God, that was an amazing book. Yeah, that, that was one of those books that stayed with me mm. for weeks afterwards. A beautiful book. Beautifully written. Mm. Now, this book... Oh, I'm just going... Sorry, I'm just going back to little, a, vi- a little village in Russia now where they're making a a, a crystal set type thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. The orphans in their, mm. in, their, in their
0: cellar. Not their yeah. cellar, in their um, attic. It was an yeah. yeah. Oh, no, lo- lovely book. Mm. Now, this is it's not more of the same yet it sort of is this has about three different timelines it's set way back um, two centuries ago in Constantinople um, which had a great library and it's about a a classical story that keeps getting lost and then found and retold and lost again and re-found and so it's about and it follows a thread, a thread of people who love stories and to whom writing is important, writing and reading is important, and yeah, and so we go from way, way back in the past to um, present day to a little bit into the future, into way into the future, mm-hmm. and so it's just all melded together, and it's it's a big book because he's trying to deal with big issues, and um, I think. If you're in the market for this sort of book, you'll love it. If you, I think, if you loved um, All the Light*, you cannot see. You probably, even if you don't particularly like science fictiony type things, because it is a little bit. Because I say it's quite a way. Part of it is really into the future. Um, there's a there's a a child who's in a, a pod with with oh I don't know what you this mess this computer and and she's got she's got a a printer which prints food so she's she's being kept alive because th- everything outside has has gone and the child has is in search of the story so instead of printing using the the tool she has to print food, she uses it to create ink, and she starts writing the story. That she she goes through the computer's memory banks and find and tries to find every um lead to the story that she's trying to find. And so it's, that's a very futuristic thing, but it's also way back in the past, like I say.
2: Oh, it might be a bit highbrow for me, but well, I'll give it a go.
0: Well. I think he is kind of trying to be literary, but I think he can't help himself. He's just a readable writer, even if he's got high flirting ideas. He is very readable. Yes. Anyway.
2: and he won the Pulitzer Prize, and I, in fact, I'm going to reread all the light we cannot see. I'm going. To, I'm going to look for it in bookshops and buy it. I'm glad you reminded me mm. of that. I just remembered how much I loved that book. Yeah. If yeah. you love a book, you really need to have it in I your collection. So. And I guess I couldn't. You know, just take it out of the library again and not return it. That wouldn't be good for Well, you really actually, you could to... because oh. the
0: public library is no longer finding people. So, oh, oh okay. <laughs> not that I am suggesting that <laughs> that is the way to act you. <laughs> In fact, take that back.
2: I'm ashamed of myself. It's all right. I'm not a member of the public library. Oh, so they, they already have to depart you. I have not been barred. But let's just say in the 80s there may have been an overdue fine. So <laughs> are they all forgiven now, all those fines, or are they still ongoing? No, I think if they've sent them to credit agencies, they're still the credit agencies. Oh, no, it hasn't gone. took it back. It hasn't gone that far. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, I think Both we don't us have a of really needed Actually, to be quiet, yes. Yeah. If it goes. Oh. Well, Try it again. Look, one more go. For more
1: information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz. That's Dunedin A T H E N A E U M.org.nz. Welcome back.
0: Now, for the second part of the programme, I've brought in a book that I've taken out of the public library. so it's <laughs> if you
2: get it back into... Oh, no, you um, don't need I, to. No, no. I, I,
0: no, I plan to return it on time. <laughs> now, it's by Emily Cochran, and it's called Rummage, A History of the Things We Have Reused, Recycled, and Refused to Let Go. And it starts off, her, when she grew up, I think she's maybe... She was a child in the 70s And her grandmother was a prestigious um, recycler And she's, so she's always been interested in recycling And it's an unusual format from a book Because most history books sort of start way back And move each chapter Ford. moves you mm. forward this one starts sort of at the beginning and takes you back so each, each mm-hmm. new chapter you're back a th- you know, hundred years so it, I found it a bit um, odd to read but it had some amazing snippets and I thought one of the most interesting things was, of course, paper used to be made out of rags. So, used clothing was made, you know, linen and stuff was made. So, you had beautiful paper made out of clothing Mm. fibres rather than um, paper fibres. And during the Napoleonic Wars, there was a blockade of. Because the. The quality of rags in England weren't as, as, weren't as nice as the quality of rags you got in the continent, so they used to import a lot of um, rags from Holland. So when the naval blockade came, it wasn't just food that it was affected, it was they couldn't get the rags for the paper. Yeah. So paper became a very scarce commodity, so people – and it wasn't just stealing paper to remake paper or to reuse – Paper was used for a whole lot of different purposes uh, or things that we now would use glad wrap, essentially, or plastic for. Mm. And cheesemongers used to wrap up the cheese with paper. So And they they liked to have paper that didn't have too much ink on it because people didn't <laughs> like ink on their cheese. And people would steal bits of paper to sell onto the cheesemongers or, and also butchers. To uh, just uh, made me laugh, this image of people being being arrested for stealing paper to sell on to cheesemongers and, but it was a kind of a constant thing at, because each chapter we went back in time because of course there was no plastic and so you know, beautiful paper was, was just the thing to wrap your cheese up with and so people and in Scotland um, during, just after Elizabeth I died because of course when James first became king. He was of England, he was also king of Scotland, and he decided that he was going to unify the two churches essentially because Scotland had a much more um, hardcore version of Presbyterianism, you know, mm. or, and the, the English were sort of Anglican, which was a bit like Catholicism, a light. Mm. So, anyway, that he wanted to rewrite the Scottish prayer book, and so they kept. They um, kept having different um, um, drafts of it, and the earlier drafts were sold on to the cheesemongers. So people would get their cheese wrapped up in the drafts of this prayer book, and so people realized what was going to happen to their prayer book, and they rioted. So uh-huh. this was a riot that was caused because they had to reuse the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the paper. Yeah. It's just astonishing. So just lots of little things, yeah. and yeah. So anyway. I just thought I'd
2: tell you that because it tickled my fancy. Yes, I thought it might tickle no. yours. Oh, I'm tickled. Consider consider my fancy tickled. Now, I found this brochure, Dunedin
0: as a Writer's City, a map and guide to places of literary interest, and it was published in 1989, and it was for one of the first um, writers' and readers' festivals. So, And it has a lot of information. And it has the names of a lot of... Um, Writers in passing, and these are really old, old writers. And one of them, I they no, noted was a guy called Vincent Pike. Now, originally, his father, his parents called it P I K E, but um, they changed it to P Y K E, but still pronounced Pike. And he was born in in England of course and he emigrated to South Australia in 1851 moved to Victoria and then he mined for gold in the gold fields and he opened a store and he was an advocate for miners rights anyway he then moved to um Otago in New Zealand and he joined the provincial government and he was appointed as a commissioner in organising the goldfields, and he did that sort of thing for quite a while and he was involved in administration or governance in central Otago and he he was elected to represent Tapanui and he was he he got into trouble because he he started a quarrel between Clyde and Cromwell over the designation as a country town and he he failed to honour a promise to Cromwell and so the people of Cromwell created an effigy of him, hung it and flung it into the Clutha River to the accompaniment of a suitable dirge from the town's brass band. So people really felt very passionate about things in those days. And So, yeah, but he also wrote um, novels about his experience in the goldfields, and one he wrote about um, Central Otago goldfields was called Wild Will Enderby, which I'm sure you know all about and have read many a time. Is there a murder in it? I don't know.
2: Well... No, uh, I think it's just a lot of (laughs) penny for gold. (laughs) But Now, what year did you say this was? 1989. Because this... pamphlet here, Dunedin as a Righted City, a mapping and guide to places mm. of literary interest, is a veritable goldmine. I've just read a couple of entries now, mm. and it is so good. Well, yeah, and the sort of interesting scandals, um, we've,
0: we're just about to run out of time, but the, look at the front cover, there's, there's two um, riddles, little rhymes yeah, yeah. from... Limericks. A
2: Tago Punch, which I thought was interesting. Do you want to read one of them? Oh, I don't know. But on PC, there -hmm. was a young girl in Dunedin, so fond of drinking and feeding, till she grew so fat that the size of her hat was as big as the belt of Dunedin. I've started, so I'll continue. There was a young lady at Cavisham, her smiles were so sweet, and she lavished them, till she candied the heart of each youth in that part, did this young lady of Cavisham.
0: I love the rhyming, though the first one is quite ridiculous because I don't know that when you become chubby that your hat has to get any bigger. It
2: rhymes with (laughs) With, it. You have this literary soul of a, I don't know what a rodent. Anyway, on that (laughs) note, until next time, happy reading, everyone. Happy reading.
1: The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum library at number 24, the Octagon. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851.